Want to learn how to use communication as a tool for building connection? Well, we have an episode for you. Are you a leader trying to get more from your business and life? Me too. So join me as I document the conversations, stories, and advice to help you achieve what matters in your life. Welcome to Unbound with me, Chris Dubois. All right, welcome to Unbound. Today, I am joined by Mr. Scott Edwards. Scott is a lifelong entrepreneur, starting companies from a chain of comedy clubs, even owning a submarine in a beach shack in Hawaii. His experience in using communication as a tool for connection is powerful, something that all leaders should strive to emulate. And I am excited to have you on the show. Wow. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on Unbound. Woo! Yes, thank you. Thank you. It's very exciting. I know that the audience is just going sit down, sit down, relax. Uh was is going crazy, but we're gonna have a fun conversation and share some insight and information and maybe make you chuckle a bit. Let's see. Yeah, you are probably the only guest to bring an actual audience in with them. So that's uh, a <laughs> well, right. you know, it's important uh for the ego to feel like somebody's there, right, kids? Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If only I could get my own kids to cheer me like that. Uh, well, let's, uh, Father's Day, by the way, Chris. I know that oh, thank uh, you. you have a lot going on in your own life, and, and you've pulled together this amazing podcast, Unbound. Uh, congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm going to uh, hopefully keep ramping it up the way it's, uh, it's going right now. But let, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's spend some time talking about you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I would love to hear more about your backstory because I mean, you and I've chatted before born a poor black child in a log cabin in no, no, uh, that's a different (laughs) book I read. Uh, no, I, uh, you know, came from kind of a dysfunctional family was out on my own at an early age. Uh, sorry to disappoint the parents out there, but no college, no, uh, nothing uh, planned or uh, trained for. But my father was a very gregarious uh, outside salesman for Johnson and Johnson and other big companies. And I think I kind of picked up on his personality. And uh, while in high school, um, I just had this itch. Um, I was I get this, Chris, I was actually the night maintenance at this cheap ass motel um, here in Sacramento. And I overheard two guys talking about how they were making good money, painting lines in the parking lot um, on the side. And I'm thinking, hmm, I could do that. So I talked to companies that did it. I did a lot of research. And at the age of 17, started my own small construction company. Now, no, no, I didn't have a silver spoon. There was no money. In fact, I had a great idea and I knew what I was doing. But I had to get a high school buddy who had just come into a huge $500 inheritance to use that money to buy our first paint machine. And the two of us were all set to go. And then we go, Oh, crap. How are we going to get the paint machine to the various job sites? (laughs) Hey, and we went to another high school buddy that happened to own a van. And thus, the three of us formed the three Caballeros and became A&A Restripe, a small construction company. And what's exciting, Chris, is I started that at age 17. I sold out a couple years later, but the guy that owned the van, Paul, kept that company ran it for over 30 years, and now his kids 
are still doing that work. So wow. it's been around a while. Yeah, all because you were working at a cheap motel. Yeah, cleaning toilets and fixing <laughs> TVs. You know, you never know where inspiration Perfect. will yeah. come from. It's a you left a legacy for someone else's family. <laughs> It was uh, it was a fun start. Yeah. You know, three high school kids were running around all over. We did all the McDonald's in Northern California, all the Safeway stores, which is a big grocery chain. Uh, we even did an airport. Uh, we started getting into asphalt repair and we did some we expanded and uh, uh, it was it was, you know, we learned a lot. But uh, the point of the story was I had the idea, the dream, and because of my personality, I was the salesman. So I would go out and close the contracts, and then the three of us would get together and do the grunt work. But uh, it was all about, uh, and this is a little advice for your listeners, when there's something you want to do, there's no reason to recreate the wheel. So when I heard about this idea and, and got going, I went out and talked to other people already doing it. And what you find is people love talking about themselves and their business. So I would go to other striping companies, painting companies, you know, where do you get your paint? How much do you charge? You know, how, how do you do this? Because I've never done it. And right. people love to share. You just have to not be afraid to ask. Yeah, I love. Looks like you're taking notes, so, Chris. I can go slower. I am. No, yeah. Um, no, I. So I love the concept. I call it the gift of going second. Someone else said it before me. I'll take full credit. But um, <laughs> the with the idea that people have done it before. They've written books on it. They are talking about it live. They're on podcasts. They're doing episodes like this, explaining these things. It's like, why would we not go to these people who've already done it so that we can? jump ahead a couple steps. Well, I've tried and now to we can advance it. No, you're exactly correct. I've tried to mentor several small business owners and my last uh, I I like different adventures. My last adventure I owned a uh, um insurance brokerage and I was a small business um expert in in commercial insurance and I was interacting with all these business owners and it, it's incredible how many really don't know what they're doing or they they just they had a passion for the the work, but they didn't know how to do the run the business behind it, how to manage employees, um, dealing with inventory and banking. Um, and, you know, after starting over a dozen companies, I have some wisdom that I'm able to pass on and help these people. And I've always enjoyed that. Yeah. And do you think it's interesting that? A lot of times they will, people will start a company, right? They have that passion. They become like the leader within their organization. They're doing all the things to try advancing it. Um, at, what, at what point is, does it become easy for someone to say, you know what, I, this isn't for me. I need to bring someone else in to assist with these things. And I guess for you, as like a serial entrepreneur, right? You've had so many businesses. Like that's, that has to have been a thought you've had at some point where it's like, I can bring other people in to execute on this. Yeah, I, I'm kind of the idea guy, the the sales guy, the the mm -hmm. um, kind of the power, the force behind getting things going. But I'm not uh, um, a great worker. I mean, the reason I work for myself all these years, Chris, I got fired from every job I ever had <laughs> when I worked for other people because I thought I could do it better than them. Uh, and I wasn't always right. But uh, the truth is that it always takes a, a support team. 
And if you surround yourself with people that have a similar passion to you, that have a work ethic, that is so important, um, that you can develop an idea into a company. And uh, one of the biggest challenges, I think, is finding people that have that passion and a work ethic. And what I spent a lot of my young life doing when I opened my chain of comedy clubs, I had three of them. Uh, for over 20 years. They're actually still operating. I sold out. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I hired new young people, I laid down some, you know, rules, some guidelines and tried to inspire them (laughs) to have a work ethic to uh, understand that nothing in this world is for free and you have to earn it. And it's all about your uh, self-respect and your um, interest in the business you're working for, you know, so many of these young people, and I I mean, and I'm old, so anybody under 50 fits here. Uh, But for young people, they don't understand they're spending, you know, 40 hours a week, if they're doing a good job at a business, well, that's a pretty big chunk of your life. So why not treat that business like it's yours, like it's your home, you know, clean up after yourself. Don't be afraid to clean up after others. Uh, I had a rule, no wasted trips. If you're going from the showroom to the kitchen and you see some dirty glasses or something on the floor, don't wait for someone else to get it. You get it. This is where you live. Take some uh, responsibility and interest uh, in what you're doing. And uh, I've taught that to, uh, I'm, proud to say hundreds of people over my uh, decades of businesses. And I think uh, all ego aside, they learn something and they're all better for it. That, that sounds a little haughty. Yeah. I apologize, but uh, I do no, think that's important to pass on my beliefs. You know, that, that my core yeah. beliefs are I only go into a business if I'm passionate about it. If I, you know, I may not know what I'm doing, but I'll learn. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's something exciting about being able to learn something new there. Well, it's so interesting because people <laughs> say, well, you had a chain of comedy clubs and I had a travel agency. I had the submarine and then I had an insurance brokerage. And, you know, how do you have a passion and all these different things? Well, it's really not per se, the business as the service, you know, insurance. I'm like everybody right. else in the world. I hate insurance, but it's a necessity and people have questions mm-hmm. and need help. So I enjoy the customer service aspect of insurance. And that's where I shined. I was Scott, the insurance pro. <laughs> Branding, by the way, is right. important. Yeah. <laughs> There's a little tip right there yeah. for you business people. Branding works. <laughs> um, something... But just talking to you, right? The comedy club stuff is great. You obviously have a good sense of humor. Um, I want to talk more about how you use comedy just in sales, right? It, getting that humor across to well, it's it's when people. That's over. a great question, Chris. You you ought to have a podcast. Um, what is interesting is that people think that if you're in the comedy business, that you're a jokester, the funny guy. And the reality is I was the business behind the comedy clubs. In other words, Mm -hmm. I, when you own a comedy club, it's a restaurant, 
So you're running a restaurant. It's a bar. So you're running a bar. You're producing shows. So I'm a producer. I would do all my shows in my clubs, but I also did three TV series. I did several concerts. So as a producer, I had certain things I had to make happen. As a restaurant owner, there's other duties and chores you have to make happen. As a bar owner, you have other responsibilities. And to answer your question, I loved getting on stage because I'm shy. And uh, I emceed all of my shows for over 21 years. So yes, I can be funny and, and I have a good personality, but I was never the jokester. I was the producer. Now, I kind of got away from your question. So to answer your question, I was really good in sales, but it wasn't because I was a jokester and could pull a joke out. In fact, I have a rule. I only have one clean joke and one dirty joke for depending on the situation. <laughs> but what it taught me all those years on stage and all those decades in sales is to not be afraid to talk to people being gregarious. Part of that is personality, but it can be taught and be sure to ask the right questions and then shut up and listen. You know, so many salespeople want to talk and talk and talk and talk until they get the sale. You know, I was in car sales for a while. I was a fleet director for a Ford store and the guys on the line, it was like, they would approach the, what we call ups, the people that came to buy a car, like they were selling, you know, a watch on the street. Hey, want to buy a watch, you know, kind of sleazy. <laughs> and that's why people are afraid of car salesmen. I was very successful in car sales because I didn't approach them like, ooh, you're my next victim. I approached them as that I'm here to solve your problem. So what's your problem? And I got a little story. Do you have time, Chris? I have plenty of time. I actually cleared my calendar for this. <laughs> I'm selling cars and this guy comes in with his wife and three kids. And he goes, man, I want to see the new Mustang. Uh, okay. Right. So I'm, you know, who knows, maybe he came into some money and he needs a toy. So I'm walking with him out to the car. So, you know, what are you going to be using the car for? Well, my wife has to take the kids to school and, and uh, sometimes my <laughs> golf buddies will join me and have to do something. And, oh yeah, uh, my, my uh, son is a soccer player. So we take some of the soccer team and I'm listening to all this. I'm not saying anything at that point, I'm just listening and making mental notes. And we get over to the Mustangs and I go, man, these are sweet cars. They got a, so much horsepower and, and they're wonderful. But you know, based on what you told me, the, the need for the car isn't going to be met with this Mustang. In fact, if you get this Mustang, it's pretty much just you and your wife. You might as well sell the kids, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I walked him. I said, let me show you something. And I started heading towards uh, what they call the soccer mom vans. And this guy starts freaking out, right? But his wife, who is a big, important part of this whole purchase, her eyes right. get real big. And I, and I said, now settle down. Let me show you. And I start showing the sliding doors and the automatic this and how it'll fit not only the kids, but their neighbor kids and the soccer team and his golf buddies and the golf bags. And I'm now selling the vehicle based on his actual needs, uh, not on what right. he thought he wanted. And even though he mm -hmm. probably was a little disappointed, he wasn't getting the fire 
engine red Mustang, his wife was so happy and he would have ended up happier because now they had a vehicle that actually met their needs. So going back to your question, whether you're selling comedy, construction, cars, um, submarine tours, insurance, it's all about listening to the needs of your clients or customers and satisfying them, taking care of them. Yeah, that is a great lesson because you'll often see a lot of companies who they basically say, if you got money, we're, we're willing to work with you, uh, but you're not the best fit for, for everybody that's coming into your company. Right. Yeah, so when that person has a bad experience, yeah, you have to be willing to say no, right? you know, for example, when right. I own the chain of comedy clubs and I, I, I want to name drop a little and brag, I was doing this in, uh, I started in 1980. I was 24 years old and I was working side by side. Uh, the guy that really helped me get going, uh, was Bob Saget and Dave Coulier from full house, uh, Gary Shandling, George yeah. Wallace, um, Jerry Seinfeld, all these guys, Dana Carvey, were coming in, but they were new young people too. And we were all kind of learning the business together, but they were very supportive of me and vice versa. But what was interesting was when it came to my customers, there were a few famous comics that I said, man, I, I think you're really funny, but you won't work in my room, right? My job was to present a product, a show for my customers here in Sacramento, which is kind of a, not a huge Hollywood kind of town. And um, so there's times that you have to say no was the point of the story, Chris, is that you, you don't right. always want to force a square peg into a round hole. You want to uh, bring to your customers and clients what's really going to work. In fact, uh, there was a couple times that, you know, you, I fired people, you know, you, you, you comics that weren't really, you know, doing what they contractually promised to do and mm -hmm. I'd have to let them go. So it, it's, it goes back to that, uh, what's best for the customers and clients and then the management side, being able to make those decisions and stick by them, whether you're right or wrong, you're still the boss. Right. Well, and going back to, you know, you were talking about needing a strong brand. And that, that brand is your reputation. And so if you are selling to someone and not giving them what they actually need, right, they're going to leave you bad reviews. They're not going to be happy. They're going to tell their friends like, ah, that wasn't a great show. Or like, yeah, this car is awesome, but I can't do well, it. And so now it looks yeah. bad on you. Well, what's, but it, it was what's their funny though, and I, I want to share this with people that worry about bad reviews. Um, when we first started, it was well before the internet. Uh, so when you're in show business or the restaurant business, it's all about the newspaper reviews. By the way, newspaper was these big right. paper things that had black ink. You know, a lot of people yeah. forgot how to read. But I back in the day, that was where you got your free press. Was an, uh, The reviewers would come in and comment on the show. And we had this one guy, Rich Simon, uh, with the uh, paper that's no longer around. And... Um, Every week or two, he would come in and review the shows and he would, it was, there weren't great uh, reviews. He was, you know, commenting on what they were wearing and he didn't like if they said dropped an F-bomb or something. Uh, Stand-up comedy, I should explain to the audience, was really new in 1980. It was pretty much the break between strippers and jazz bands. It wasn't a mainstream entertainment. So this reviewer was kind of critical. but bad review or not, 
every week or two, I had a free big ad in the paper saying that this is what's going on. And we had several customers say, I'm here to yeah. see your show because Rich Simon didn't like it. <laughs> so don't worry so much about what happens on Yelp. If, if they're talking about you, that means you had business with them. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Did you start paying for his drink? So he'd come in more. <laughs> well, I think a- what happened is, as comedy became more mainstream, stand-up comedy, and he saw more and more shows, he came around and we started getting better and better reviews. He really liked Jay Leno. Uh, Leno was one of my early regulars, and he did some amazing uh, interviews and uh, reviews of Jay Leno. But yep. uh, it, it, I was just sharing that story because there's kind of a, a theory behind it is that uh, uh, bad news is still news and uh free marketing free advertising is something that you know right. nobody can turn down yeah um uh, let's talk public speaking so you emceed a lot of your shows um you know with the comedy club even just being in sales right you're getting in front of people a lot talking to them i think a lot of leaders at is the biggest fear for most people is public speaking, getting in front of people like everyone's palms get sweaty and they, you know, definite. Intimidation, um, right. I'm just yeah. curious. I mean, I've even, um, yeah. I, I, there was people that after I retired thought I should be a public speaker and share my story. And I did a couple, I did it a couple times, but it wasn't mm-hmm. fun talking about myself and I was nervous. Uh, it's so funny as you get me in front of a big crowd, I'm, I'm like this, I'm automatic, but you get me in front of a, a few people to a crowd talking about myself. I wasn't comfortable with it, right. but when it comes to public speaking or sales, uh, it helps to have an a personality, which you're born with. It helps to be, uh, gregarious and, and able to talk to anybody at any time, uh, and always have a smile on your face. And that sometimes can be difficult, but, uh, uh, is a good thing to strive for and can be taught. The, uh, other thing, that I think is important to explain to people because you do have that intense fear that I'm going to go up there and die. And I'm going to go up and bomb. And first off, let me tell you, Jay Leno, Jerry right. Seinfeld, Dana Carvey, all the people, Ray Romano that I got to work with, Paula Poundstone, Robin Williams, we have all bombed at some point. And you know what's interesting, Chris, and this is a, a little tidbit for your listeners, no one's actually ever died from embarrassment. Really? really? No one's ever died from embarrassment. Huh. So what's the worst that can happen? It's like when you're a salesman, you're, you know, you pretty much train yourself. You're going to get two or three no's before you get a yes. Well, a lot of people hear no and they shut down. And in my business, when you yep. hear no, that just means you haven't, answered their problem yet it's just a next step right so it's uh being a public speaker is understanding you're not going to die of embarrassment that nothing you could say or do is going to ruin your life per se uh in general and in sales it's so important to understand that you're always going to get a few no's and you can't let those uh, disappointments stop you. You have to keep barreling forward. And it may always end, you know, may end up being five or six no's and you don't get the sale. That happens a lot too. But so what? What damage has happened? Nothing. 
right? They right, weren't going to buy right, from you. Right. It wasn't the right product <laughs> so, for the to meet that yeah. customer's need. That's how you have to look at it. People take right. it personally. It's not a personal thing. I mean, it's true. Someone may just not like you and not want to buy from you. And heck with them. There's a lot of people out there, a lot of fish in the pond, as they say. But sometimes, or actually a lot of times when you're getting consistent no's, it's just that you didn't have the product or the service that solved their needs. I hope that's not too simplistic. Right. It's it's a truism. No, yeah, I I agree whole well then i feel really good about um, it um yeah perfect all right doubling down <laughs> uh, let's talk uh communication as a tool for building connection right you've worked in i keep coming back to the comedy clubs because i think this is the most interesting thing for me hopefully for other people too and i'm not just boring everyone else by uh the fact that you've worked with all these great comedians well stand-up uh, comedy yeah stand-up comedy building. is one of the great yeah. uh bastions of communication because whether you bomb or kill um it's interesting that they're both kind of negative terms but uh in show business you either bomb or kill and it's a matter of engaging with an audience or communicating with the audience. So whether you're the high energy right. machine gun style of Robin Williams or you're Larry Bubbles Brown, who's very slow and methodical, you it's all about taking the audience on a journey and you're doing this strictly with your words. And so you have to get the audience kind of on board, right? You want them to take the journey with you. So when you're, I'm helping a young comic uh, improve his set, become a professional, it's all about, uh, uh, you know, introduce yourself to the uh, audience, maybe do a little self-deprecation or share a little bit of your story so they get to know you a little bit, maybe talk to the audience a little bit so you know a little bit about them, and then ease into your material and take them, you know, down that use that story the joke 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 but it's really a story a path and then what we try to teach is you come out strong and then you plateau and try to fill the time whether it's 10 minutes or 60 minutes i once had jay leno do a 90 minute show it was incredible in concert and but then you want to end strong so that not only does the audience leave you know really amped up and happy but they're going to want to come back for more so that right. journey with the audience is all about communicating and engaging with the audience. So Chris, your podcast is a lot about business and sales. It's the same thing that when you're talking with a customer or dealing with a client, you want to engage with them, communicate. And there's, there's a couple subtle things. That means you don't want to talk over their head. You want to talk at their level. It also means that you need to listen so that you're talking about something that engages them. Does that make sense? And, and these are things yeah. that help you and that potential customer or client connect so that you can help each other. You're helping them by solving a problem, making a sale, and they're helping you by making the sale and making you commission, right? By the way, I was always commission sales. There's, uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, and there's a whole different personality type, the quote unquote county or state workers that go sit in their cubicle and they make their uh, 12 bucks an hour or whatever. Um, you know, that's fine. That's, if that's how you want to, you know, live your life, 
Um, for me, um, I was, you know, filthy rich a couple times, uh, submarine, beach shack in Hawaii, some really fun stuff. But I was dead broke. Uh, I went bankrupt a couple times. And as an entrepreneur, you have to have the strength and the personality and, and even the ego to go through those highs and lows and always striving to make a buck and make yourself better. Right. Uh, man, this I'm okay, throwing so too much at you. I, one, I can go back to for the end. comedy. No, really this is great. Good. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, one, you've you've had what twelve different least, businesses? Yeah, I, I think I, you said during the comedy um, club years, the eighties and the nineties, there was a boom of comedy, and I made some bank. And uh, because I'm always looking for that next adventure, every year I would open a business. So I had the comedy clubs, but then across the street I opened up a jazz club, and then up the street I opened another restaurant. I'm into art, so I had a couple art galleries. Uh, at one point. I was yeah. working with some people. I was a partner in a company called Snuba, which is underwater snorkeling around the world. And the guys that developed, and by the way, it's still all over the world, uh, developed Snuba, uh, built a submarine, a, a semi-submersible submarine, and asked me to come out to Hawaii and help them put the finishing touches on it and help with the initial marketing. And I'm sitting there working and doing the loading the ballast and screwing things in the submarine. And I go, you know, I want one of these. <laughs> and so I got some partners and we bought a submarine and we put it in Monterey, California and ran it for about a year and a half and lost our asses. <laughs> it was, it was one of my biggest financial <laughs> goofs because the water in Monterey was too cold. There was a problem with algae bloom. We had to pay a scuba diver to go along and keep the windows clean. And it, it was a big uh, financial mistake. But we ended up selling the submarine to the Wrigley Gum family, and it still operates out of Catalina Island in Southern mm -hmm. California. Um, but the, the, the mm -hmm. interesting part, Chris, is that even though that was a huge financial failure, how many people can uh, go on in their life saying, you know, I owned a submarine? <laughs> right. And it sank. Financially, definitely. Uh, yeah. So... Uh, what what company would are you still like missing out on like what if you had to start oh, something mean, what, else what would just be adventure? your new passion project yeah what are you well what i are you looking uh, for? in my uh semi-retirement like, staged i started a couple podcasts and like you i'm really enjoying uh doing podcasts because i get allowed i'm allowed to share my passion for in in my case stand-up comedy and re-engage with old comics and club owners and booking agents and um it, it's just a thrill for me and and i found an audience i just hit over a hundred thousand yeah. downloads so i'm i'm you know having fun with that but my next adventure because i actually just really officially retired in April. And this is June when we're recording this. And um, mm -hmm. I'm planning a uh, like a, a streaming video TV show. Does that make I, I'm still working on it, but it's going to be yeah. a YouTube uh, TV channel uh, about comedy and, and funny is funny because whether you're watching a uh, Laurel and Hardy or, or um, Charlie Chaplin black and white movie in the 20s or you're seeing stand-up comedy up the street uh funny is funny 
Yeah, I can agree with that. Uh, all right. <clears throat> what book do you recommend everyone? Well, I don't to? know if there's any books that might be of interest to anybody in the comedy industry, but uh, <laughs> I thought about this because you gave me a heads up, Chris, on the uh, Unbound podcast, what I would recommend for people interested in business sales and communication. And there is a lot of books out there, but may I refer you and your audience to a podcast? There's a new yeah, podcast just started a few months ago called how to talk to humans, how to talk to humans available on all podcast platforms that is starring um, a very talented comic magician and successful businessman, Larry Wilson. And this podcast is really the strongest form of communication training I've seen or heard of. And that's why I'm passionately telling you and your audience about it, how to talk to humans. Larry, um, you know, he's slow. He's, um, you know, very specific with his words. He's teaching, sharing. And because he's been in show business for for over 40 years, he has stories with Cary Grant and Hugh Hefner and and other famous people, Sammy Davis Jr. and he toured together. And so he's able to use these stories and his talent to communicate to share with the world. And he's doing it through this podcast, How to Talk to Humans. So if you're done reading the hundreds of books out there on communication, try this podcast. <laughs> it, it is seriously good stuff. Awesome. I'm going to check that out. Um, Scott, this has been a lot of fun. And it's been funny as well. Uh, Thank you for joining me. This, oh, is, uh, this has been great. We're, we have to stop. Where? Oh, oh, oh geez. I, I, at some point, <laughs> at some point, you, you asked me to block time on my calendar, but I can only, I can only do so much. Uh, well, I got to <laughs> tell you, it's been so great, Chris. Uh, it, the time has flown by. I hope that the audience got something out of it. Um, I really appreciate being on Unbound, a uh, up-and-coming successful podcast. Yeah. Congratulations on everything you're doing and sharing. And if it's okay to plug, I have my own podcast. Right now, that's what I was yeah. going to ask you. Where my can people podcast find is Stand-Up Comedy, your host and MC. Once again, Stand-Up Comedy, your host and MC, available on all podcast platforms. And it's a combination of actual comedy from Gary Shandling, Saget, Dave Coulier, Dana Carvey, I can go on and on, uh, Jay Leno, Ray Romano, so many great comics. I share their comedy material from back in the mm-hmm. 80s and 90s. But what's great is now I get a chance to interview them and they share their stories. So there's lots of stories from club owners and, and professional comics. And then if it's about a 45-minute format. Right. If that's too much for you, I do have a second podcast for the short brain people that like five or six-minute long uh just pure comedy it's called comedy appetizers comedy appetizers and you get Uh, five to six minutes of pure (laughs) stand-up comedy each and every week so check those two out and uh, if you get a chance how to talk to humans and i think we'll fill your life with information and comedy and laughter sounds great Scott, thanks again for joining me. Hey, Chris, uh, this, you're this doing a, a great job. Thanks so much for having yeah. me. Let's hear it for Chris. Nice job, Chris. Woo! He's amazing. Yeah. 
gotta, you gotta bring your audience around. So just pump me up. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. And for more information on how to build effective and efficient teams through your leadership, visit leadingforeffect.com. As always, deserve it.